Hello and welcome to Matt Gamecast episode 7. I'm John Carr and with me is Casper. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing really good, thank you. Fantastic. Yeah, it's just going to be us today. A nice uh, duo duo show. Uh, Lily is Chill sick. Yeah, Lily's sick. Sam's uh, at his wife's birthday, his wife's birthday or something. And Ted, I think, doesn't have power. He's he's somewhere in a cabin with his wife or something, waiting out a storm, something like that, something adventurous. Um, but that's no problem. So we're going to try our hand at something a little different for this show. Uh, this episode seven, since it's just two of us, um, we thought to review some games, or primarily uh, Disco Elysium. Um, Casper's mm-hmm. been playing it like a madman. I've been playing it a bit. And then uh, we may rattle through some other games um, and see where it goes. But um, So Disco Elysium, I believe, came out in... Oh man, I should have checked this. This is a little bit on the fly. We We had... We were going to play, uh, play. We were going to do another subject until last minute when, uh, figured out Lily was sick. So pivoting here. When was this out? Yeah. 2019. I don't remember exactly when the Mac version came out. Um, honestly, I think it was sometime in 2020, but, um, sounds about right to me. Sure. I, I personally waited till the final cut came out. Um, I bought yeah, the game on same. sale on Epic. I'm like, I know I want to play this game. I've heard good things. It's kind of weird, but it's on sale. I'll grab it. And then when, then shortly after the announcement came out, oh, the final cut's coming with all new, like, uh, voice acting and more stories and more endings. And I'm like, okay, I'll just wait. Um, mm-hmm. So I waited until that came out, which I think was only this year, a few months ago or something like that. So it's very recent, at least. Yeah, very recent. I'm pretty sure it's this year. So why don't you tell our audience, uh, Casper, what? If you can, <laughs> if you can sum up Disco Elysium somehow, <laughs> what like what kind okay, of game? So, the what I think is like the great big appeal of Disco Elysium is that it's an RPG, but it's an RPG that takes the elements of an RPG that are non-combat. It, it doesn't really have a combat system, as far as I know. There might be one like super late game, but I haven't seen anything yet, and I'm pretty far in. Um, so it takes all the aspects of an RPG game with dialogue, uh, interesting dialogue options and skill checks and that kind of thing, um, and uses it primarily for the purposes of narrative. Um, so the character you play will matter to the story, um, but it doesn't matter in the traditional, like maybe if you were playing a game like Fallout, your skills would primarily determine how good you are shooting guns or how good you are picking pockets or unlocking locked doors and stuff like that. In this game, mm-hmm. the main purpose of your skills are, well, skill checks and dialogue. Um, so it really has a, a great focus on, on dialogue and narrative. Um, and it's simultaneously incredibly funny uh, with things like your tie talking to you and you talk to your own brain and it's just <laughs> totally goofy sometimes. Um, but it's also incredibly dark in a world of <laughs> misery and uh, just intense uh, socio-economical struggles going on in all aspects of life. And uh, you really face some dark things. Um, and then it's just interspersed with your tie going, yelling at you for some random thing. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's great. Yeah, what I found very interesting about the game on introduction, um, I didn't even research, like, I was actually kind of vague 
what the game was. I knew it was this certain, you know, point of view, typical RPG point of view. You had a character. I knew it was narrative heavy, but that's kind of all I knew. And you you play a detective. So, okay, there's some murder mystery stuff going on. That's your very first quest. There's a there's a dead body hanging in the backyard of the hotel you're in, and it's just hanging there. And it's been there for like a week because yeah. you're like this drunk amnesiac cop guy locked up in a hotel to start the game with. Um, and so that's kind of the main kicker of the game. Okay, fine. Discover the whole body, you know, what's going on there. But I, yeah, I had no idea the game was so psychological, basically. Um, whoever yeah, it's you know. incredible the, the brain aspect of it, like talking to your own brain and different parts of your own brain really plays into it hard. Um, you'll talk to your reptile brain and your limbic system. <laughs> and it's, it's right. Yeah. yeah. And the game opens with that very thing. You're blacked out though. You don't know it yet, but there's just this, you know, lizardy sounding narrator going on. The voice acting is amazing. And, um, yeah, it's talking about like the darkness of your mind and where you are. And then like suddenly something moves. What is it? And you're basically slowly coming awake and coming awareness. And I'm like, oh my God, you have a body. What is this? Like your part of your mind's freaking out about the fact you have a body and like your head's attached to a meat thing or something. It's just the writing's also lovely. Um, and then you, and then you wake up and oh my God. And then you're hungover and you can actually, I don't know if you knew this, but you can actually die in the, in the room as soon as you wake up pretty much depending on your stats. Yeah. Um, If you don't have any of the... Well, let's explain the skill system a little bit. Um, It basically pertains to... Well, very much like if you were to think of all the layers, broadly speaking, of kind of like what a human's made up of, uh, both externally and internally. Um, There's whole trees for physicality-based things, but it's not just like, oh, here's a strength stat. It's, It's across like five or six different things with things like coordination and strength and dexterity and all these different facets to it so it's like how good are you and multiply that by four or five i forget how many total there are but there's a lot so there's a ton of things for intellectual things for visualization for creativity for drama for lying for sneaking for even there's even a few random ones just like kind of being in tune with the city it's like an atmospheric sort of thing um so it's it's very very detailed um so if you have low like endurance and strength because your heart has problems, you're you know you're all messed up in the game. You're a drunk and who knows what else. Um, and if you try and jump and grab your tie, which is attached to the fan, which is moving, so you can turn the fan off and that makes it easier to grab. But if you just try and jump and grab it and your stats low, there's a chance you'll actually have like a heart attack. And if you don't wow. stop it, you um, you can just die right in the room and the game's over. Because we talked about these skill checks, um, so you could fail this skill check to kind of like pull yourself together, and you can you you just die, and then the game ends in the first like minute, which is hilarious. Um, that only happened to me once, like um, right. I mentioned that before we started recording. I primarily played the game about five hours only in the first parts, and I reran it several times in many different ways, trying out uh, all kinds of stats and interactions um, to see what would happen, and that's what happened to me in one of them. That's that's really funny. My character actually started with uh, one hit point because I, I did have a really low endurance, um, but I did get the tie, so I didn't experience that. But what I did experience was a bit later on, I tried to break open the door by slamming into it, and I didn't have the physicality for it, so I just slam into the door, fall over, and I'm just dead from having tried to <laughs> open the door. Just, yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, talking about um, clothing as well, uh, clothing plays a big role in the game because it uh, changes your stats. 
So it can give you stats in something you don't have or buff existing stats or even detract from others. Um, so you start out with, you know, a, uh, appropriately named a disco ass blazer, um, you know, and then there's your tie, which can talk to you. And um, it sounds like we're rambling, but that's the game is both structured and freeform at the same time. There's quests, there's side quests, things kind of um, it kind of nudges you in certain directions. Um, but there's often multiple solutions, like very non-spoilerly, your first one of your first problems, aside from the dead body in the tree, is uh, you have no money and you got to pay your hotel room. And if you don't pay your hotel room, they're just going to kick you out on the street. And you can, in fact, be kicked out on the street to be, home, quote unquote, homeless or whatever. Um, so then how do you get the money? Well, there's several different ways you can get that money. Um, you can try and borrow it from your partner who's like super together. Um, though he has to sell like fancy hubcaps in the back of his car and he's really not too happy about it. You could go ask this, like, uh, I think you can kind of scrounge around for it, basically scavenge for it, steal it and whatever. Um, you can maybe do some random job. You can go, uh, there's all kinds of things going on in the game aside from like the murder mystery. There's like a union strike going on in this fictional city of, I think, Revacal, um, former capital of the world, as the narrator says. Um, so there's some union or there's some company rep there, some, you know, sort of suspicious kind of hardcore lady. You can go and just borrow the money from her. There's like all these different ways to solve the quest. Does every quest have that kind of, uh, width of problem solving? I'm not sure. So I think the design of the game almost mandates that everything can be solved in different ways. Um, because since you can fail skill checks, uh, if you have a low skill in something, there needs to be another way of solving it. Otherwise, it'll just become impossible to progress, at least if it's something that's necessary for the main plot. That's true. So, yeah, that's as, true. As far as I've seen, everything has like a million different ways of doing, ways of doing it. Right. That's true. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, so let's take the hanging body in the tree, because, again, it's very basically a no spoiler. You bump into it within five or ten minutes. Um, well, I guess you could avoid it, but if you just follow the game's initial path you'll bump right into it right away so the body's just i think you can't avoid it because you need to talk to uh, your partner before you leave the building don't you right uh yes you do you'll mention it so that's true and i think you end up walking over there um so what's also really cool is again going back to the game's like psychological aspect or not even psychological the game actually made me think about myself after playing it like all these layers so i'm looking at it a screenshot of all the skills now because it'll help me remember there's four broad categories intellect psyche physique and motorics motorics yeah and each one of those has six different categories in there so intellect has things like logic rhetoric drama conceptualization visual calculus uh, physique has endurance pain threshold electrochemistry uh, shivers all these different things so like if you have high visual calculus and conceptualization, skill th- skills will also combine in certain ways. So when walking to the crime scene of uh, the dead body, there's like a smashed fence. And if you have high visual calculus and conceptualization, your character will stop and you can visualize what happened here and kind of recreate the scene. And then the game's yeah, visuals will change. Like. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So there's all, but if you didn't have those abilities, well, you couldn't do that. Um, similarly, psyche is more about, um, like uh like if you have things like empathy 
or a suggestion where you can like manipulate people or empathy lets you relate to people. One of my favorite, again, early game moments is going to talk to uh, the hotel manager, who's not the bartender, who will tell you very annoyed if you call him the bartender, because he looks like a bartender and he's behind a bar, but he's really the manager. Um, I forget his name, but he, you know, he doesn't like you. But if you don't have points in empathy or maybe some other psyche related skills, you can't tell that. I mean, it's obvious to the player um, because of his tone and everything. And he's annoyed there's this drunk cop, like not paying, staying in his hotel. But the writing changes based on your skills. So if you have high empathy, the writing will actually and the narrator will tell you, oh, this guy doesn't like you like, you know, he's annoyed about something. And that can even prompt you to kind of ask a question in the in, you know, in the conversation. But if you have no points in empathy, and you're basically just kind of maybe really intellectual, but have no people skills, which is one of the presets, there's three presets you can choose. Um, it even goes the opposite. Uh, the game basically tells you like, oh, yeah, this guy likes you. Like, you know, he's all about you. Like it almost mocks you or uh, or it's sarcastic, but your character can't tell. That's the point. So like really, it really inhabits the the skills you have and kind of even mimics because there's all kinds of these people in real life. There's really intellectual people who are then bad with people or people are very empathetic, but maybe not intellectual or people are really strong and maybe really dexterous and maybe also intellectual, but not very you know empathetic and you can just create this whole menagerie of of things um they give you what three classes i think it's the thinker the brawler and i forget what the other name is as a preset Uh, it's basically an empath but i forget right so the empath guy also i think it's uh you also have electrochemistry which is basically all about drug stuff so then you can tell when people are on drugs and, and not, and for example, and there's like skill checks to pass that. Like, uh, again, in the beginning, there's this obnoxious little kid throwing rocks at the dead body when you go there. And he's totally, he's, it's hilarious interaction, but he's totally drugged out, totally, totally whack. And uh, you can perform a skill check if you have electrochemistry and maybe something else. And the game tells you like drugs. He's totally on drugs or something like that. Um, and same thing. Uh, he's so obnoxious. One of the options is you can try and punch him to get him to shut up. Um, so if you have high physique, you can actually punch him and knock him out and shut him up. But if you don't have high physique, you'll just like spin and fall over. And since you missed, you're then humiliated and ashamed. Then you have like a panic attack and your morale goes down. And if you don't have high composure in your skill, like you might just freak out. You know, or I think. Did you know yeah. you can actually get fired as well? No, tell me more. So one of one of the ways the games the game can end is like if you say you say you can punch the kid. So if you do too much aggression towards a kid in the game, you can get fired for basically harassing a little kid, and the game <laughs> will just end with a newspaper article talking about how the cup uh, was so horrible towards children and had to be fired. <laughs> No, I didn't know that. Uh, I didn't know that one because I, I tried to punch the kid and failed because of my lack of physique and motorics. Uh, and I yeah. just ended up like humiliating myself. But I think I had, you have like some pills you can also use like uh, temporary items to like calm yourself down. I didn't have many of them. So I managed to eat them and like recover and, you know, get off my feet. So, um, yeah. So the game's almost not a game. It's almost like a weird life detective simulator thing. But it's so thinky and so clever and kind of accounts for almost anything within reason, but still far more than you'd think for a game. Um, you know, I think it is, I think it's a groundbreaking title. Um, that's, you know, of n- you know, it's never, we've never seen anything like it before. Um, and I don't know if we ever will again, but I know, it, you know, it's pretty popular. 
Um, yeah, I think it won some awards. I think it was even named like PC Gamers Game of the Year, maybe in 2019 or something like that. Um, so it got a lot of buzz. But at the same time, I almost feel like it simultaneously flew under the radar. But maybe that's because the mainstream game news, and I'm talking PC console here, because let's be real, there is no mainstream Mac gaming news. Um, <laughs> we're basically part of it, of a handful of, of small people doing it. Um, yeah. So I remember it being a lot of talked about, talked about a lot briefly, and then it just kind of, you know, moved on to the next Call of Duty, the next whatever sort of game. I think that's also just an aspect of you know, the scope of the game. It wasn't like a triple A highly marketed game, but it also wasn't a really small indie title. It it had a big scope for what it was, but it also wasn't, you know, it didn't have the marketing behind it of a huge right. publisher or anything like that. So I think that just naturally happens to games of that size eventually, but they still have success within that time of fame, right? So Right. Yeah, you can see there's quite a few Steam reviews for them, like thirty eight and a half thousand almost. And that's that's just only a fraction of the people who bought the game. So I don't know their sales, but they're you know, they have a very positive rating on Steam and their final cut update I think brought a lot of people back in, or people like me who are waiting to play. Um it, what you know, you've played this game far more than me. Is there some I've been relating tidbits and experiences without like major spoilers, is there any moments you want to talk about or anything like that's really st- struck you okay, so I, I obviously don't want to spoil anything because i want to keep the, the game experiences new to people when they do it play it if they play it um but one thing i'll talk about is um again i'm not going to spoil anything it's just I'm talking about it loosely so much like if you were playing a traditional tabletop rpg Sometimes there can be sort of invisible, well, at least I think there are invisible checks behind the scene um, that are almost impossible. Like, it'll be like roll three sixes in a row, essentially, right? Um, Or maybe even more impossible than that. But that can make really just crazy, absolutely out-of-this-world things happen. Like, um, people magic, like, you just get a hunch oh, there's someone behind that wall. That's, that's not just something that happens, but it's something close to what happens, right? You just get this hunch, oh, there's someone behind the wall, and your partner's like, what are you talking about? That's just a wall. <laughs> you can just go over to it and, and talk to the wall and be like, hello, you in there? We just, we just want to talk to you. And then you get a response. Because you just <laughs> rolled an, an impossible roll, right? It's, it's right? That kind of thing can happen. Um. Also, something I think is pretty novel and great of the game is every skill you have has both an upside and a downside. So obviously, it's bad if you have super low stat points in something, but there can actually also be a downside to having super high points in something. Right. Um, and it'll explain this to you inside the details of the stats, so it doesn't like take you by surprise. You know what you get into if you have stat points, right? Right. Uh, at least if you read the descriptions. Um, but for example, if you have really good skills with a gun, I think it's called hand-eye coordination or something. Yeah. Um, you might also get an itchy trigger finger. So sometimes the game might just go like, well, you don't get an option to choose because you have an itchy trigger finger. You're just going to shoot now. Right. 
Uh, yeah. I haven't actually experienced it with a gun because I don't have a gun, but it says that can happen. And I've seen other things like I have a super high empathy. And sometimes that means that if other people are sad, I will actually lose morale because I have so high empathy that I get sad. Yeah, no, the game is so phenomenally clever about that. You actually feel like you're playing a person. You're not just playing, you know, you're used to playing whatever, your Fallouts, your Diablos, your Division of the Original Sins, your Baldur's Gates, whatever, your Mass Effects. You know, to varying degrees, those games do a reasonably good job at emulating part of a human, at least. Maybe really a fraction, honestly. Some of them come closer than others. But this game really, really gets into it in the way you're talking about. Because it, it emulates more than just these skills, right? It actually is emulating things like um, personality um, or addictions or imp- uh, compulsions, impulses, all this kind of stuff. And that is just so cool. And like you were talking about uh, the invisible skill checks, I think that goes on. Or these, yeah, these moments come up and you're just kind of swept away in it because you're in like you said, they warn you in the stats, you basically get in too deep. Uh, you can get lost like in your own mind and go on like weird total benders and like dreamland, which then like, and then you can wake up with like a new religion or philosophy or something. And that totally takes you in a different direction in the game. And like these things can actually happen. Or like you said, the itchy trigger finger, um, cause you just get overwhelmed. And we also see this in real life. People get carried away by things. They're too aggressive or they're too empathetic, or maybe they're too intellectual and they just get lost in the moment or, many moments even and that may or may not have a negative effect um but the fact that this is captured accurately and smartly in this game is really cool and it's also fun because you're often constantly surprised by this game even after probably playing it for many hours um i've played it for 40 hours and this game still catches me off guard sometimes the yeah. new things. It's incredible. It's, uh, it really is. So it's almost like a life simulator in a sense. But if that sounds boring, it's not because the game is full of really interesting characters, interesting quests, and dealing with some fairly serious situations. There's things like, um, you know, there's corporate greed and exploitation and uh, the union. And of course, yeah, what kind of, it really asks you what kind of person do you want to be? Do you want to be like the nice, helpful cop who like redeems himself from his drunkenness? Um, and kind of not saves the day, but like, kind of you know just goes around and be a be a good guy or you can be a total that's like this is kind of a binary example either really good or really bad um but there's plenty of opportunities for the whole spectrum honestly in there um being good bad gray mixed uh socially minded politically minded religious not religious aggressive not aggressive and once again and everything in between you can just go off find this random character in a corner and have a talk about like meaning of life and Suddenly he goes on about, I think it's a, it's this big tattooed guy. He's like an Islander or a black guy or something. And he goes on about critical race theory. But if you can't answer his questions to his satisfaction, he like won't talk to you anymore. Cause they get like, you're not smart enough. He's like, come back to me when you've learned more or something. Yeah. Did you actually do that? I didn't come back to him. No, uh, I haven't gotten that so, far yet. So to, to actually do that successfully and actually uh, like get past him that in that way. Yeah. Um, you have to use the, what the game calls your thought pattern, or no, uh, your thought ca- thought cabinet, uh, to not just, you know, pretend like you agree with him. You have to actually internalize his race theory. Um, oh, okay. So the game has a mechanic where um, you'll get thoughts in your head when things happen around you in the game, and you don't really have control over that. If you pick well you sort of have control in that some of 
sometimes it's spawned because you pick certain dialogue options or but sometimes it's also that you looked at something and now you get a thought in your head that'll happen um but what you choose to do with that is still up to you so you can pursue thoughts and internalize them in your thought cabinet and that might actually have mechanical bonuses but it also affects the personality of your character and what um dialogue options you'll get forward and even what quest you'll get things like that um and to actually move past the race dude uh you have to internalize this race theory and actually for the rest of the game your dialogue options will be full of really racist things <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i didn't I, do that by, by yeah. the way but well, I, I, I internalized other things yeah, I'm glad you I'm glad you brought up the thought cabinet because that is also to me one of the most brilliant things about this game, possibly the most brilliant among a slew of other really brilliant things. Um because once again it it takes this idea of how humans fall into ideologies or beliefs or um habits, whatever it may be, all kinds of things. Um mm-hmm. so like you said things happen and you have this thought. So what's interesting as well is these thoughts happen, but you can also pursue them. And the more you pursue them, then eventually it could be stored in your thought cabinet, which is this game mechanic. You then have to stew on the thought for some, I don't know, three to five in-game hours or in-game hours or something like that. Um, and you can choose to cancel it if you want. But if you let it ruminate long enough in your thoughts, it then boom, it becomes like part of you. And like you're saying, then it's you can use it, you know, for some advantage or disadvantage in the game. Uh, some of my favorites were, um, this because you're you know you wake up with amnesia basically and you're just like in this like you know drowning in alcohol or something they describe it as so um these options pop up because you, you know people tell you you're a cop you go outside your room and there's some lady and she's like hello officer is like officer are you shitting me i'm a cop you know if you, you can say you can respond different ways that's one of them she's like yes i'm not i'm not kidding you you're you're a policeman you're like no way me you know if you want i i went that route to like try to tell everyone as much as possible, including my partner, that I wasn't a policeman. Like I denied it at every turn, <laughs> um, and I was also wow. wearing no pants. By the way, you can you can oh, you can do that. And eventually, um, what's funny is the game like even accounts for that, but in a way you wouldn't expect because none of the characters bring it up, but like your own like the game sort of narrator part of your head does. Like, surely they'll ask about you not wearing any pants, right? Like, it's it's gone on long enough. You've talked to several people and no one's asked yet. Like, Edeman acknowledges it in this really funny way. Um, but I, I kept pursuing this thought that I was some kind of superstar. Because people ask you, like, what do you are? What do you remember? And you can there's all these random answers. And one of them's like, yeah, I think, like, I'm a superstar. Yeah, or something like that. And, of course, people laugh at you. But you keep pursuing this. And then the thought becomes a thought for your thought cabinet. Some kind of superstar. And then this has, like, you so much believe that you're a superstar, you can actually, like, do things with that or, like, charm people because you're a superstar. You're not really, but you believe it so much it has this effect. And it's just, it's hilarious how, obviously, that's, that's a, like, a delusional example. But there's, you know, I'm looking at a screenshot here because I don't remember. Uh, we have all kinds of things like, uh, uh, I don't know, kingdom of conscience, indirect modes of taxation, uh Mazovian socioeconomics. I don't even know what that is. Hobo cop. Marxism in this world. That's so. what I. That's what I thought. Uh, something like actual art degree. <laughs> yeah, that one's great. That one's, that one's really funny. 
uh, if you pursue uh, that one, yeah. you get to like uh, do graffiti and all sorts of things. <laughs> oh, this is one of my favorites: inexplicable feminist agenda. Um, okay, I haven't so, seen that one. <laughs> okay, yeah. So I stumbled into this one. Um, it's is all early game, so it's not much of a spoiler. Uh, you know, you talk to the the hotel manager, and then um, well, it turns out you've lost your badge and your gun. Just Basically, you're a complete mess of a human being in this game, and it's up to you to either put together the pieces or keep playing a complete mess, and it's entertaining either any way you do it. I opted for the more messy part. Like I said, I'm running around with no pants and denying I'm an officer. Um, then you got on the phone, in the car, and blah, blah, blah. I talked to your unit, you know, your commanding officers and all this stuff, and then you have new side quests, get your badge, get your gun, and all this stuff like that. Um, but then you get to interview some people in regards to the body and there was this lady staying at the hotel and you got an interviewer blah 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 and she really turned you know it becomes pretty obvious that she really doesn't like the hotel manager something happened now this lady named sylvie and he even acknowledged oh yeah she left recently he's, he's a little weird about it so you go back and talk to him about her and it turns out like he was hitting on her and there was some kerfuffle um and this can go multiple ways you can just basically ignore it you can turn into like like a total weirdo and like be the love doctor and try and like get them together. Um, uh, or you can um, suddenly become like a raging feminist and like stand up for her. So you have this inexplicable feminist agenda and you're talking to the not the hotel manager and you're like, yeah, I, I think I'm a raging radical feminist. He's like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? And he's like, and you're like, yeah, yeah, you can pursue this. And suddenly you have this inexplicable feminist. It's just like, the game is so absurd and so clever. Um, and it's, and if it sounds like, I don't know how we're sounding coming off about this game, but it deals with all these heavy topics of religion, belief, philosophy, um, all the, whatever, you know, Marxism, socioeconomics, critical race theory, but it does so, it doesn't make fun of it. It treats it seriously, but also in a way that's somehow still fun and compelling or at times darkly humorous, um, depending, uh, cause you basically never really, the game's in a sense like karmic as well i don't think there's an actual karma system but like you said you can only get away with so much you can't run around being like the worst person ever and complete the whole game that way um but you can you can be you can be a madman for quite a while if you want um but you may find the game suddenly ending or yourself suddenly dying or whatever if you're not careful absolutely yeah i think the game is also really self-aware both of how dark it is but also of the fact that it is a game and sometimes it'll almost remind you of that um so there's a dialogue you can have with your partner uh, where you ask him about your precinct or something like that and he'll say oh yeah people from your precinct they have this weird way of walking around and you're like weird way of walking what, what are you talking about I said, well it's kind of weird they run around everywhere and they seem obsessed with containers and looting them it knows that that's what players will do right <laughs> right it's true so. yeah you can scavenge around all kinds of stuff in this game um yeah let, I, we'll wrap up some i mean you can even do details like get a plastic bag run around collect cans and sell them off at the store for you know a little bit of money um Oh, right, because there's also an XP system in the game. Let's not forget it's an RPG, so you get XP for all kinds of things, whether it's uh, completing quests, uh, certain conversations, certain skill checks. Um, 
you didn't even get XP for randomly doing things, I found out. Like, I went in a store, and you can buy some cigarettes or some drugs or something. So I'm like, I was being, like, the pantless hobo weirdo. So in this particular run, I tried much more, you know, straightforward runs in, a, in other instances. Um, so I bought some, like, cigarettes and drugs, and I, which, conversely, I don't do in real life. Um, people who do are fine, but I've never even smoked before. Anyway, my in-game character was smoking, and I got a special amount of, like, XP for doing this and some thought popped into my head i don't know so it's like all kinds of things can level up um so you have your presets in the game we mentioned this earlier um like you said like the empath um the thinker and the brawler so you can use those presets or you can create your own custom one though i recommend using a preset to start the game because otherwise you won't really understand what's going on with like how that's affecting the game um but no matter your preset you can then spend your you know level up points on new um you know, on new, whatever, intellect, psyche, physique, motorics, all those things. And I think they go up to a maximum of five or six or something like this. Uh, so the maximum depends on a lot of things, and you can raise the level cap like that. So uh, the initial level cap is whatever your base stat is. Right, so right, you right, have, right. Um, let's say you have three in general thinking. Then you can get to six in conceptualization, for example, or logic or whatever. Right, um, right, right, right. But by default, you can't go further. And then if you do things with the thought cabinet or things like that, you can raise the level cap. Right, right. So that's that's pretty clever too. So I don't know what the, like if there's a, I don't know if you can just level forever or there is like a strict level cap towards the end of the game or something. I haven't played that uh, far. That there's going to be something, but I don't know what it is. But the, the way the mechanics work, there will be something, but I, I don't know where it is. But it's pretty, in any case, you can get a pretty extensively built character with all kinds of thoughts and skills and mm-hmm. um you know, whatever. Um, yeah, there's not like traditional weapons in this game. I think there's occasional moments of violence. We're not going to run. You're not going to be running around just like blasting people. Um, you know, it, it's primarily this narrative simulation, really, more than anything, with occasional moments of action or adventure and whatever. Um, so let's uh, move into a bit like who, like who is this game for? Who do you think like should play this game if they haven't already? Like, who's the kind of gamer it's for? So um, anyone who cares a lot about the narrative and have patience for narrative, they don't need to always be like bang, bang, shoot, shoot action, right? Because if, if you're the kind of uh, person who prefers games where you're shooting things or driving fast or whatever, uh, you're probably not going to have a fun time with a game that's primarily reading slash listening, uh, which right. this will be. Um but if you, you like a good narrative and you like exploring a narrative and being part of it in a game uh, as much as you do anything else, really, uh, in, in games, um, I think you're going to have a great time. Um, I, one little caveat to that, um, as we've said, while there's a lot of fun in the game, it's very dark and it will tackle very dark subjects. Right. Um, so if any of that might get a bit too dark for you then probably stay away from it because it will go into like really descriptive um ways of talking about a dead person and really um nasty language and Mm. their sexual assault and all kinds of things so right be wary of that if that's something you're not uh, comfortable with um but otherwise if if you like a good narrative and uh, you're into that kind of RPG storytelling where you can influence the narrative with skill checks and choices, then, yeah, I think you're going to like it. 
Yeah, I I think that's a perfect uh, descriptor. Um, and also, like, warnings. Those are good warnings. I didn't think of that. Um, but I absolutely agree with all of that. Um, I feel like this is the kind of game where I wish everyone would try at least once, whether you think you'll like it or not, because it's so unique. Um, mm-hmm. But it doesn't have a demo. So, I mean, technically you can demo it by just buying it and playing it less than two hours and refunding it within uh, 14 days um, on Steam. Epic has the same policy, honestly, so either platform. Um, But also try not to, like, people could forget. They might do that and then forget and be like, I followed your advice and now I waste, go and go spend $40 and I didn't want to. That's what it costs in U.S. dollars anyway. Price will vary according to your region or or, uh, form of, oops. That was uh, we started the podcast earlier than normal, and that was my uh, that was my podcast timer. <laughs> I forgot to turn it off. Uh, let me make sure that's not going to pop up again. Um, yeah, it's a forty dollars game normally. Again, I, that could be forty euro or something, depending on your region. Uh, it does go on sale though, um, so you can you can grab it there. As far as like, I don't think the game has any overt flaws. I mean, maybe I haven't played it enough to know, but like. If you know, we we had this internal discussion on Discord about like reviews and ratings. Do you want to give this game a rating, or do you just want to give it like your stamp of approval, or what do you you know? It's like more like your review. You've played more of it. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's a hard one to give a number to because it's it's so special, right? Uh, if you're in to what the game gives you, as you say, I don't really, I couldn't point to a flaw of it. So in that sense. If you like the experience it tries to give you, then it gives that experience perfect, I'd say. Right, right, right yes. But if that experience that the game is trying to give you isn't for you, then it doesn't matter that it does it perfectly because you're just not going to like that. Right? That's true. That's yeah. perfectly said. Yep. So, so I'd say within the framework of what the game is trying to do, top points. So, yeah. Right, yeah, that's true. But it, it's not... It's not Red Dead Redemption. It's not Grand Theft Auto. It's it's a narrative focused role playing game that does its own thing very uniquely, but it does it super well. Yeah, it does it really confidently. Uh, you know, visuals are good, audio is good, voice acting is great. Uh, the game's pretty intuitive and lets you play your own way um, with all kinds of. Well, the outcome could be hilarious, could be haunting, um, like you were saying, a lot of dark themes. But uh, absolutely, yeah, it's true. If you like this kind of game, it's basically going to be a ten done for you. And if you don't like this kind of game, you're not going to end up liking it anyway, no matter how how good it is. Um, but I, if any of it sounds good, absolutely go check it out. That's Disco Elysium: The Final Cut, now named The Final Cut. Or if you already owned it before, you would have gotten The Final Cut as a free update. Um, or as they say, the uh, free megaphasmic content update. I don't even know what megaphasmic means or if it means anything. I don't know. It could mean something. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> these guys are... Uh, I think this, as far as I know, uh, at least this is these developers' first game. They may have been veterans of a different studios who came together and made it. I don't know. I don't know their history. Zaum. Zaum, is that it? Z-A slash U-M is the developer and the publisher. <laughs> so um, I didn't uh, do any, like, uh, dive on, on them. But in any case, as far as Steam's concerned, they're a first-time publisher and developers. That, like, to make this out of the gate, that's that's pretty darn cool. And uh, What I did read about them is that um, they intend to do more games in the same universe. Ooh. So not necessarily the same style of gameplay, um, 
but it'll be so they call the world Elysium. So Disco Elysium is this game, but they'll have, or they at least plan on having other something Elysium games taking um, place in the same world, but maybe shooters instead or whatever. They they left that pretty open. Right. Okay. That's. I mean, yeah. I was gonna. I was just about to say. I'm super hyped to see what these guys come up with next. Um, totally different mm-hmm. style of game continuation of it yeah i mean this one's so thorough and so expansive um it'd almost be a shame not to see a different style of game from them rather than just like a straight disquilism 2 it's like okay more of it but the first one's so complete i mean i haven't done the story but i can just tell how grand you know how big it is the game takes place over i think a week or something like this you have so many days to finish your tasks or, or something like that if yeah, i'm not I mean, mistaken how long exactly it takes i think can depend on how quickly do you think you could finish right. faster probably but yeah i think it, right. the game alludes to there being sort of a deadline otherwise you're fucked <laughs> yeah basically but but it doesn't pressure you but it is it is there you know you do have plenty of time to do stuff but you can't just quote you know afk so to speak forever you do that oh, i think you actually can because the way time moves in the game is kind of like super hot ish um so as far as i can tell at least time moves when you do things that that includes like picking dialogue options but if you stand completely still it doesn't seem like time moves but if you move time moves or if you talk to someone or if you look at an object like anything you actively click on time progresses Uh, or while you're doing things if you've clicked on something right that's actually very clever and also like very emulative of of course in real life when you sit around time passes anyway but in terms of oh it takes time to do a thing it takes time to talk to people it takes time to explore yeah, so the, the or, game yeah so the game works with the clock you can see in the bottom right corner and you'll have bets and things like that um and the the world will naturally change over time as well so even if you do nothing things will happen around you um and the world expands as you move along as well. Like initially, the world isn't that big, but there's always a lot to do. And once you talk to someone, you can go back and talk to someone again, and different things will happen. Um, but the game, the world will expand as time passes as well. Uh, physically, get bigger. Uh, new areas will unlock and things. Um, right. But something about the time passing. If you feel. And you shouldn't, because there's always more to do. But if you ever feel like you have downtime and you're like, oh, I just need to wait on this thing to happen, uh, the game gives you an option to read your old case notes. And I don't know if there's anything interesting in there, because I never felt like I had the downtime. But that'll <laughs> pass 30 minutes every time you read one of your old case notes. Right, 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 right. Okay, that's clever. I like that. Right. I do remember poking around a few of those, but I didn't remember the exact time mechanic. Um yeah, apparently you used to be a pretty good detective at some point, and then you went off the rails. And you know, yep. there's the you know that's also part of the mystery: who you are and what's going on with your relationships, if any, and your career, and all this fun stuff to discover uh, about the game. And that's Disco Elysium. Check it out, or don't, but check it out. <laughs> Even if you don't think, like, at least go and look at the Steam page, watch a watch a video, you know, uh, whatever a trailer, and at least just listen to the kind of what the game's got going on it might hook you you never know that'll be disco elysium um both of us high you know total like 10 out of 10 for us if we were giving it a rating but also with the caveats we mentioned earlier for who the game might be for um that was our deep dive review um we'd like to do more in the future we'll see how it goes um 
we don't have a game picked out or anything. Ideally, it's also a game at least two of us have played. Uh, of course, today there's only the two of us on, but Ted, Lily, Sam, whoever. Um, so in the future, we may explore some different format or, you know, once a month do a review episode or something like that. Um, we will see. Or I, I did some different ideas, like maybe every team member wants to bring a game and talk about it. Not maybe as long as we just did, because if everyone, you know, times three or four, that would take up too much time. But, you know, give each game 15 minutes or something and then kind of move on. to. Anyway, we'll see how that goes in terms of format or if there's any feedback from the listeners, what they think. Yeah. And now that you mentioned where games are available, Disco Elysium uh, is on Steam. Uh, It's also on the Mac App Store and it might be on Epic. I don't know for sure. Um, It is. It's also on Epic. Yeah. Also, one little uh, fun fact that I kind of want to dig into when we do um, one of our uh, upcoming major topics about uh, native and non-native and things like that. Um, more specifically, this will be about the M1, where the topic will branch out further. Anyway, I'm rambling now. Yeah. The, um, the Mac App Store version has a native M1 version. The Steam version does not. Right, for uh, Disco Elysium. Because of, of Disco Elysium, yes. Uh, and that's because of the way Steam works right now, where if they were to do it on Steam, they would have to have a separate Intel x86 launcher launch the Mac version because Steam doesn't supply its libraries in an ARM native version. And it's a whole big thing, uh, kind of a bit of a mess right now um, with Steam yes. specifically. Um, yes. Want to dig deeper into that technically, but I just wanted to put it out there that right now, the Steam version is Rosetta 2 if you play it on a uh, M1, and the Mac App Store version is native. But as far as I've seen, the performance difference isn't really that big. You will probably be GPU limited, not CPU limited when you play it. Well, most games really, and in right. GPU limited scenarios, different major because the metal gpu code actually gets compiled into native uh, gpu code anyway so it'll only be the cpu code that's different and that's not yeah primary problem, I, I, li- I like that you brought that up and we will be deep diving that most likely our next episode um and it is very interesting i don't think the performance is that big like you said i don't know if it's like five fps or something i don't think it's enormous but Will it be bigger with the release of more powerful silicon machines, which are supposedly coming this fall or winter or whatever they're they're coming? The M1X is widely rumored name. If you then take, let's just say it's a 16-core GPU and CPU, let's just pretend it's doubled, how much more performance, if any notably, will this you know native version of Disco Elysium get versus the Rosetta 2 version? I don't know yet because we don't have the machines, but... That could, you know, right now it doesn't really matter that much. I agree. It may matter to you personally, like, oh, I really want to collect native games, you know, from M1 machine. It may matter down the line with better silicon hardware, um, but we don't have those answers yet. But I just wanted to point that out. I do highly suspect that if eventually the Steam version will get M1 native as well, though. So yes, I that as well. Necessarily based a purchasing decision platform wise on this because I think. In some amount of time, I don't have a horizon for that. It'll be the same eventually anyway. Right, Um, that's true. But I also think that at least for Disco Elysium, I won't speak to other games, but for Disco Elysium, let's say we double it, like you say, for an M1X or whatever it'll be called. Uh, It wouldn't matter if the performance delta was greater 
between a native and non-native version anyway, because the performance would just be so good that, you know, you'd already be running 4K at 144 hertz or something. So, right. you know, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, we, we didn't actually, yeah, we didn't, yes. we didn't talk about performance, but Disco Elysium runs very well on a wide range of Macs, including M1 machines, as is, whether it's the native version or not. But Disco Elysium, in terms of performance, would be the king there because it seems to run on a wide range of things. Yeah. And Disco Elysium runs great. It does. Uh, impressive optimization there. Um, but that'll be it. And uh, we'll be back next week um, with more team members, and we should be talking about native versus non-native games and all sorts of fun details um, you may or may not know about on the technical side, on uh, Apple side, Steam side, developer end, some some fun details. Uh, some we've already known, some we've learned recently. Um, and Casper will have a lot to say because he's the tech maestro. And um, <laughs> whoever else will be here, Sam or Lily or Ted, will also add their input. So we'll have a fun discussion there. Uh, so mm-hmm. thanks for listening. Thanks for being here, Casper. And we'll see everyone next time. Cheers. Cheers. A big thank you to Kevin McLeod for the intro and outro music. Be sure to check out his library on the web. You can find more episodes of our show on our website, macgamecast.com, or in all major podcast directories. If you enjoy the show, please consider commenting, following, or sharing. Thanks again for listening, and see you next time.